Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in, in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation awaits, awaits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, 
But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. May God bless this reading of his word. I would encourage you to take some time each week to read through that chapter in its entirety. It, takes about, it took me about five minutes to read it, so um, I didn't try to read fast, just set it smooth pace. But take some time to read through, and each Wednesday we're going to go over um, parts of that together. This will be the last of a series and meditations on revelations the first thing that I want to do is I want to read seven verses seven verses the first is revelations 1 3 Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. 14, 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. 16, 15. Behold, I am coming like a thief. 
Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. 19.9 And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. 26. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. 22. 7. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And then verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life, that they may enter the city by the gates. Blessings. Now, I read this for a reason. Seven different passages that focus on blessings in the book of Revelations. And I have always had this view about the word of God. Well, maybe not always, but I've come to understand this. That the big view is the best view. Getting the big picture of God's word will enable us to understand where we're going. And when you look at the book of Revelations, I'm always bothered by how so many people teach it because I get the idea that they have no idea where it's going. But the thing that I read to you is interesting because it talks about blessings. What are the blessings related to? We read seven different passages. What are the blessings related to? You said what there? Him coming soon. Heeding his word. What else? Those who are waiting for his return. Let's just think about that as speaking to the purpose of the book, right? He said, blessed are those who read it. That's us. Blessed are those who heard it. That's you, right? Blessed are us who hear God's word. And not only do we hear it, but we receive it. And then not only do we receive it with faith, we look forward to its fulfillment in hope. We anticipate that Jesus Christ is coming soon. And the book of Revelations is meant for us to anticipate the return of Jesus Christ. And it is talking about the fulfillment of all of his ministry. Let's just talk about how Revelations talks about the whole ministry of Jesus. Because the first thing it does is it calls him the Ancient of Days. So Jesus existed before the world began. It talks about him as the pure Lamb of God, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life. It talks about him as dying. He was the Lamb that appeared to be slain. He died. He rose again because not only was he dead, he appeared to be alive. It talks about him being at the right hand of God. And oftentimes we don't think about that, but what does it mean to be at the right hand of God? That means to have received approval for his work. And that also means to be given authority. 
He's the rider on the white horse. He's the lamb that has seven horns. He's the one that says, I am coming soon. And we looked at last week, he kept on speaking directly to us through this word. The book of Revelations begins with direct address from Jesus and ends with direct address from Jesus. In chapters two and three, you see all these letters to the churches. And at the end, it's like a personal letter, just me and you. Hey, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I am coming back. And there's another thing about the book of Revelations. There is no place except for the Psalms where you see as many songs. And when we know about songs, what's the purpose of a song? What's the purpose of a song? And I'm thinking, whenever I think about that, of course, I think about Aunt Mickey, I think about Brother Aaron, I think about Chantel, I think about people who are blessed in musical talent. And I think they try to understand what the purpose of a song is. If you think about a song, songs are really deep. Because songs don't just... They have words which are content, right? So we actually get a lot of blessing out of just reading the songs without any music attached, right? So we get that, but there's more to a song than just the words. Songs have melody and rhythm. What is the melody meant to do? Well, maybe this might be uncomfortable to some of our more theoretical brothers out there the music is meant to evoke devotions right songs have emotions to them there's angry songs there's happy songs there's sensual songs there's pensive songs you can watch a horror movie you're not going to hear a bouncy kid song in a horror movie unless it is meant to displace and be awkward to you some rhythms produce uncomfortable feelings I was looking at a music producer. He was talking about a song that was produced in, how did I say it? He said something like it was six, four, two, four time. And what he was doing was he was showing how a song was produced on an awkward rhythm to make you feel awkward. The word of God is like a song. And it has lots of songs in it because it's not just stimulating our intellect. It's also stimulating how we should feel. It's meant to engage our whole insides, which is our thinking, our emotions, and our will. It is stirring something in us. And I think any good proclamation of the word is in some ways like a song. They always try to use singers as actors. And the reason for that is, is because when you sing, some of it is an act. And it's not meant to be fake. But what I'm saying is, when you sing, if you don't participate somehow in the emotion of that song, despite what you're feeling, you're doing a bad job. You might come to that song and you'd be angry. But if it's a happy song, you can't sing it angry. You would be doing that song an injustice. 
will be out of place. Sing joy to the world with a scowl on your face. And it will be out of place to sing down goes Babylon with a smile on your face. These songs have emotion and that produces a spiritual force. When you look at the book of Revelations, it is a book that produces a lot of emotion. Yes, we understand it intellectually, but we feel it emotionally. And songs are meant to do something else. You know who loves songs the most? Babies. Babies love songs. Babies love songs. All of us in here have been around babies. And you know something about a baby. You can sing to a baby. Babies love songs. Why do babies like songs? Well, I think because songs can convey some meanings without words, but I also think because they get comforted by songs. So do we. We never really stop being the babies that we were born to be. There's some part of that that's always in us. There's something about a song that is comforting. It's something about the service that we have on Sunday where we might take the words of the sermon, but we take the tune of the choir song with us throughout the week. Whoever found themselves just humming along and later they like, where I hear that at? Oh, that was at church. Right? You might even forget what the sermon was about. Shame on you. But you remember the song, right? That's not necessarily bad. Both of them are meant to be part of the service, right? It's a worship service. It's a worship service. Revelations is a worship book. It is meant to cause us to worship God. Why do we worship him? Because we need him. Why do we need him? Because we're suffering. Why are we suffering? Because this world is condemned and set to be judged. This world, in a literal sense, is going to hell. And when you look at this world with your eyes open, you see it more clearly every day. You might have started off as a naive child, but you soon realize things are not the way they need to be and you need comfort. And Revelations produces comfort. Revelations doesn't just produce empty comfort because it introduces this idea of hope, that there is a son of God, that there is somebody who will set things right, that there is a rider on the right horse, that there is somebody who will save us, that there is somebody who is coming soon. That the object of our faith some people talk about faith as if it's this nebulous idea. I have faith, and you have science. We'll disagree to disagree. No. I have faith in a concrete set of ideas that God will one day prove our reality. My faith is not a feeling. My faith is a conviction of the heart. It's the evidence of things not seen. The fact that I have faith is proof that God exists. You might say, prove to me God exists. I say, I believe in God. That proves it alone to me. Him putting faith in me is a reflection of the fact that he does exist. You not seeing it is not evidence that I can't prove it. It's evidence that you're blind. 
at the book of Revelations, we understand it with that purpose in mind. That is a book of comfort to trumpeting saints who needed to know that God had the future in control, but that he wasn't going to save them today, but that their salvation will be in the future. That guides us. And now we stop being lost in the forest at all these prophecies and all these illustrations. We start to see there's a path through this forest. But we may not understand the placement of every tree. I can't tell you what every prophecy exactly means. And I never will be able to. In fact, I got this full belief. I know this is crazy, but I have a belief that after we get through the time period that's described in Revelations, that we'll still have some conflict about what things exactly mean. It's okay. Because God knows what they mean. The point is not for me to have an exact determination to tell you when Christ returns. To predict that he's coming in 2027. You better believe in me and buy my next book. The point is that we would have comfort to understand who holds the future. Amen. Chantel, what is on your heart for prayer? Um, well, today I was actually just praying for us as parents. And just making sure that we are guiding our children the way that we should be. Sometimes it's easy to do the big things. Like we get them to church, we get them to school. Like the little things that we teach them in our own actions and the things that we allow them to do and the people that we allow them to be around, their friends, that we don't do those things flippantly, that we bathe everything that we do in our parenting through God's will. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you tonight, Lord. I thank you for giving me the privilege of being a mother. So many of us here are parents, and that is such a um, important calling that you've given to us, Lord. I ask that you would just give us godly parents here, that you would give us wisdom, Lord, that you have given us these children, you've given us a charge to be responsible for them, and not just to be responsible, but as we learned in service, that we are to t prepare them for life and for eternity. And um, I just ask you would help us to to do that properly, Lord. You have given us a great community here at Sweet Communion where we do have so many good godly parents and godly grandparents and great-grandparents and you've given us a resource that a lot of people do not have and I just thank you for that Lord I ask you'd help us to use that effectively that we would look for wisdom in each other that we would um, support each other as we raise our children that we would just um, be testimonies not only to our own children but to the other kids in this church and the other people who come through I ask you would help us to um, just be mindful of everything that we do with our kids, whether that's how we dress them or where we take them or what we allow them to do or um, the games that they play, the videos that they watch, the activities that they do, that we would do everything very carefully and just protecting our children from the, the traps that Satan has placed out for them, Lord, and um, just that we would prepare them for the world that they're going to be growing up in and that we would just be godly examples to them, Lord, and not just in coming to church and in dressing up for church, but when they see us get up in the morning, when they see us get frustrated, when they see us get angry, when they see us do all these human things, that we are constantly being a, a godly testimony to them, Lord. I pray for myself specifically, Lord, that 
I have two daughters and I have two sons, and I'm expected to raise them to be godly women and godly men. And I would like to do that. And I can't do that without your help and without this um, community that you've given me, Lord. And I just think I know that so many of us mothers and fathers feel that way, but that we would not um, take for granted this church that you've given us, Lord, and the wisdom that you've given us and the friends that you've given us to help us rear these children, but that we would take full advantage of it. And I just ask that you would raise up this next generation to be believers like we've never seen, Lord, that they would grow up to be on fire for you, that they would have a love for your word, a love for God's people, that um, their faithfulness would put us to shame. And we have such faithful people here right now, Lord. I do thank you for all the people who pour into my children, who have poured into me as I grew up. I ask you to remind us all to pray for our children regularly, to talk to them, to share the things that we love about you with them, Lord. And um, I just ask you to help us to, to just be mindful, careful, wise parents. And I just pray these things in your name. Amen. Lord, we continue in prayer. We just continue to lift up the parents as well as just everyone in this church, Lord. Um, we all have an impact and, an, and a contact with the children here. We ask that for the parents that you continue to help them raise their children in godly ways, continue to bring them to church, continue to speak into the, every aspect of their life as they're with them, and continue to point children to a relationship with you and continue to model Christian behavior and, and Christian values and continue to use the teaching lessons that we are all given on a daily basis to continue to reinforce their need for you, the thing you, you have done for them and us, um, just the need for salvation and um, the truth about who you are. We ask that you just be with um, those who aren't parents who just come in contact with the children, Lord, that they do the same, that there's a church body here, Lord, that continues to point to you, continues to show your truths, continues to um, emulate what a life with you is like, even though they're not a parent themselves, Lord, but they do contact these children, and they do um, talk to them, play with them, and um, spend some time with the children, Lord, that you continue to just use them that way as well, and continue to just lift up your family, lift up... Um, what you have ordained of what a Christian family should be, Lord. And there's a lot of broken families. There's a lot of uh, families that people have defined in their own ways that is not your will and it's not godly, Lord. We ask that you just continue to um, live in those godly families and continue to just be a light and show that a, a family uh, founded in you is a strong family, Lord, and is, is what you have purposed. We ask that you continue to just um, be with this church and our mission to reach men and as an adjunct to that, their families, Lord, that they become strong leaders and they continue to be good parents as well. In your name we pray. Amen. 